If you have your Bible in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, we'll stand in reverence to the reading of the Scriptures. I said every time I get up, but I mean it, and it's not just to be redundant, but I love our church. I love Bible Baptist Church here in Rossville. I love the folks that God has sent to this church, and I appreciate our pastor. I love our pastor, Mr. Leet, and the family, all the staff that's here. And I thank God for the opportunity to be able to represent this church out on the ministry, out on the mission field, and all the missionaries. I believe that with our church, we have some of the highest caliber pastors uh, or missionaries, evangelists uh, that are out, and those that are church planning, uh, as there is anywhere in the United States. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to be associated with this church. And it's been an honor to be able to be here at our home church for the last month or so. Our schedule is always extremely busy. And uh, starting next week, it'll pick up. We have several meetings already scheduled. And we're going to miss being here, but uh, we'll be here as often as the Lord will leave the doors open for us to do so. It has been a long time. I was sharing with Pastor this morning. Because we're out in meetings so much and traveling both nationally and internationally, we're not able to spend a lot of time with our mother over the last few years. And I remember when my dad was diagnosed with his cancer, and they just gave him a few months to live. And uh, for some reason, and I didn't understand it at the time, preacher, but I had pastor after pastor calling and saying, Brother Ellis, we've got to change our schedule and get you in at another time. And I ended up with about three months uh, cleared with only one or two local meetings. And I didn't know what the Lord was doing, but then just within a week, my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer, and the Lord gave us opportunity to spend uh, some closing time with him. Amen. And now with the COVID-19 and things have been closed down and mother uh, diagnosed with the end stages of her COPD and given only a few months to live, uh, the Lord has once again allowed us to be able to spend some time with her. I'm not saying the Lord allowed it to happen just for that, but I'm saying the Lord in his providence for us allowed it to happen with the timing. And I thank God for his blessings and how he always works things out. Amen. I thank God for her testimony of her salvation. And it's always a given peace to know that someone, when they are saved, that they're going to go to heaven. And it'll not be the last time you'll see them, but it'll just be a goodbye and a hello and see you in the morning. And uh, so we're grateful for her testimony of salvation. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and we'll begin reading in verse number 9, we find the Apostle Paul is coming to the closing of his journey. We find in... Verse number 9, that he says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Thycus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I've left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, I bring with thee the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the carpersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom thou wear also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom of whom be glory forever and ever. 
Amen. Our fathers, we bow before you this morning. We thank you for this church. Thank you for the testimonies, the singing, the music. Thank you for our pastor, and thank you for your good hand of grace being upon the services this morning. I would ask you that now you'll empower us. God, may you give us clarity of thought and mind and speech. Not ask, Lord, that you'd have your will and way in our lives. I would ask that you'll be with our nation this morning as we stand in such desperate need of the gospel. Lord, as we stand in such great need to repent and to turn to the Lord. I pray for Dr. Gardner this morning. May you have your hand upon him and the great Vision Baptist Church and Vision Baptist Missions and all the missionaries that serve both home and abroad. I would ask you, Lord, that you'll be with them, and God, that you may comfort them, that you may help them be with Brother Gardner's family this morning. And Lord, we pray that you'll have your hand upon him. Lord, I would ask you that you'll give the doctors wisdom. Lord, all the nurses and caretakers, may you give them your grace. I know that doctors have a lot of experience and education, but Lord, what is that without the hand of God? And so I'd ask you for your hand to be upon them. Lord, I pray your blessings now upon this service for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. In the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 4, I would like to bring our attention to our text, and that will be taken from verse number 13. Paul said, The cloak that I left at Troas, with Carpus when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. I want you to notice that Paul had left some things behind. I had studied for this message uh, some time ago. In fact, a few years back, I preached at the Faith Baptist Camp from this text, and the Lord would not allow me to escape it for this morning's service. In 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 13, we find some things that Paul had left behind. And I want to preach to you on that subject matter this morning. Notice, if you would, as we were to take time to go through our Bible, that God's people often leave memorials behind. We find Israel did so when crossing uh, the Red Sea. We find that they did so when crossing over Jordan. We find that the Egyptians left the pyramids behind. We find that uh, Rome left the Colosseum, and they left also uh, various memorials behind. Humanity has left memorials behind and milestones. For example, the Romans come up with mile markers. They had a certain uh, stones and piles that they would set up every mile, and uh, that would give the traveler uh, the ideal of the distance they had traveled, and they basically invented the mile markers that we use even today in our culture and in our society. May I say to you, there are some things that you and I will leave behind as memorials. Some are good memorials. Some will be bad memorials. I remember traveling our first time to the Ukraine, and we were, as we traveled from uh, across that uh, country and we went from border to border. There were war memorials all over the country of the Ukraine and some of them uh, were bad memorials and some of them were good memorials. And sometimes in our lives, God will allow us to leave memorials to our children. We leave, of uh, course, inheritances and we leave uh, wisdom and we leave knowledge and we impart uh, certain things that we have learned from our, our childhood and certain things that we have learned from our family as we have grown up and we will leave behind markers in our life. Well, Paul is coming to the end of his life and in this text, he is summarizing and closing out his writings to the young Timothy. And notice, if you would please, one of the first things he mentions in the Scripture is that he had left 
there in Troas with Carpus, the, uh, the parchments according to the Scripture. May I say to you, one of the things that Paul left behind was the Word of God. And if there's one thing you and I, I believe, need to leave behind for the future generations, we need to leave behind an authentic uh, uh, copy of the Word of God. We live in a day and age where the Bible is uh, being corrupted by liberals, not just liberal politicians, they're corrupting government, but liberal theologians and liberal uh, pastors and liberal missionaries and liberal uh, theologians are corrupting the Bible. But I'm glad that while they may corrupt it down here, it's not corrupted up there. In Psalm 119 and verse 89, the Bible declares, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And I'm glad that while it may be corrupted down here among men, up there, thank God, it's preserved for eternity. There is no argument over the divine inspired scriptures in heaven this morning. Notice, if you would, uh, in the text, he said, I have left the parchments behind in the books, and he requested that they may be brought. It has been estimated that since the death of Christ, there have been over 65 million martyrs who wouldn't bend, budge, or bow uh, to the things of this world and the gods of this world, the idols of this world. They wouldn't bend, budge, or bow because they believed in God and they believed in His Bible, believed in His book. And as a result of that, they were willing to stand for the truth. They were willing to stand on the Bible and take their chances among mankind because they knew they had something better in the heavens waiting for them. I thought about men, wicked, vile rulers like Nero. Nero would take Christians and uh, he committed atrocious uh, crimes against them. And some of the things he would do, he would take Christians who would deny the Bible and denounce God, and he would wrap them in tar and uh, set them on fire and horse them up over his hanging gardens at night in order to see his gardens, and he would burn them alive. Some have been thrown into lion's dens, and others have been thrown into dens with serpents and, and venomous scorpions and things of that nature. Others were thrown into arenas of the gladiators and literally were slaughtered by the thousands simply because they wouldn't bend, budge, or bow and deny the Word of God. I'm glad this morning we have a Bible that we can stand on. And while America is in turmoil today, I'm glad I have a Bible I I can stand on, I can believe, I can preach, I can teach, I can live by, and thank God I can die by this morning. A Bible that's inspired of God, that is God-breathed. This Bible, you say, preacher, why is it so powerful? Why is it so life-changing? Because it is the very words that God spoke. And the very words that God spoke were infused with the breath of God. And everything that God breathed on in the Bible came to life. He breathed into man's nostrils and man became a living soul. Man was nothing more than a clump of clay until God breathed into his nostrils and he became alive. In the valley of dry bones, it was dry and dead. And then all of a sudden, God <sighs> breathed through the valley of dry bones and flesh came upon them. They stood up and came alive. 
when the sinner who is dead in their trespasses and sins, and they put their faith and trust in Christ, and the Holy Spirit of God, the breath of God, moves over them, and they are quickened into eternal life. May I say to you, my friend, I'm glad we have a Bible that is inspired. That is a preserved Word of God. Christians today are much like they were in biblical times, but not under the extent of the persecution. Uh, They are being persecuted for their faith and trust in Christ all around the world. I'm glad we have a Bible we can stand on when things go awry in this world. And Paul said, I need my books, I need my parchments. Someone has said the Bible reveals the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners. It rewards diligent labors and condemns all who trifle with it. The Bible said in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness. In 2 Peter 1.21, the Bible said, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the moving of the Holy Ghost of God. This Bible we hold in our hand costs far more than what you paid for it at a bookstore or a church or Rock of Ages or wherever you got your Bible. This Bible costs the blood of millions of the saints of God who was unwilling to bend, budge, or bow and stand upon the Word of God. Someone has said the author of the Bible is God. Its writers were men. It's infallibly inspired. It gives life. It's open in judgment. It'll endure forever. God's glory is revealed in it. Heaven and hell is revealed in it. Its histories are true. Its doctrines are holy. And its precepts are binding. Read it thoughtfully. Read it frequently. Read it thoroughly. Read it prayerfully. Read it to be wise. Read it to be holy. And read it in order to grow as a child of God. It is stated that out of 5,000 languages on the planet Earth, there's still upwards of 4,000 that don't have a, a good copy of the inspired, divine, preserved Word of God. And while we sat here this morning and thank God for our Bibles, there are literally millions of people on the planet that don't have a Bible. Can you imagine life without a Bible? We wouldn't know how to be saved. We wouldn't even know that there was, salvation existed. Can you imagine a life without a Bible? There'd be no hope among men. And if there was hope, we'd have no way of knowing about it. If there was a, a details about God, and there is in the Scriptures, we wouldn't know what God looks like. We wouldn't know what heaven is going to be like. We wouldn't know about the suffering and the anguish and the pain and the agony of those who will die and spend an eternity in hell. I say to you, without a Bible, we'd be of all men most miserable. We'd be more than a helpless society. We'd be a hopeless society with it. The Bible is a traveler's map, someone has said, a pilot's compass, a pilgrim's staff, a a soldier's sword, a a sinner's hope, a carpenter's blueprint. Psalm 118 is the middle chapter of the Bible. Psalm 117 is the shortest chapter of the Bible. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter of the Bible. We find that there's 594 chapters uh, before Psalm 118, 594 chapters after Psalm 119. And if you add them all up and all the chapters before and after the psalm, you come up with 118. You come up with, uh, with, and you add the psalm in the middle, it's 1118. 1118. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 118 and verse 8, the middle verse of the Bible is this. 
it is better to trust in the Lord than to put her confidence in man. I'm glad that the Bible is inspired, divinely preserved. I was sitting in my study a few years back, and I began to think about what the Bible was to me. And so I began to go through the alphabets, and I hope you'll not get bored at these this morning. I'll maybe try to just summarize a few of them. But I thought, what is the Bible to me? What is the Bible to the child of God? What does the Bible have to say about the Bible, the Word of God, divinely inspired? And so I want to share with you a few of these this morning. The Bible, consider it. It abides. The Bible has ability. The Bible abounds. The Bible is acceptable. The Bible gives the Christian the advantage. The Bible advises. The Bible is alive. The Bible is amazing. The Bible is anointed. The Bible gives us the answer. The Bible is appealing. The Bible is the Christian's armor. The Bible is our assurance. The Bible has authority. The Bible gives a great awakening. The Bible is our balance. The Bible is a banner. The Bible it bathes in the scriptures and the soul and helps to cleanse it before the Lord. The Bible is our beacon. The Bible is beautiful. The Bible beckons. The Bible is beloved. The Bible beseeches. The Bible is just that. It's the Bible. The Bible is blameless. The Bible is a blessing. The Bible is blissful. The Bible is the book of all books. The Bible is bountiful. The Bible is our bread. The Bible is the breath of God. The Bible is our bridle. The Bible is a brook. The Bible is our builder, and the Bible is our buckler. The Bible, it's a God's candlestick. The Bible is certain. The Bible changes lives. The Bible is written with character. The Bible chastens. The Bible is cherished. The Bible is chief. The Bible is a citron of God's grace and blessing. The Bible cleanses. The Bible comforts. The Bible communes. The Bible is compassionate. The Bible is compelling. The Bible gives confidence. The Bible conforms. The Bible consists. The Bible is, gives contentment. The Bible convicts. The Bible corrects. The Bible is God's covenant. And the Bible is our cure for a sin-sick world. The Bible is dear. The Bible is our declaration. The Bible is our decree. The Bible gives delight. The Bible delivers. The Bible has great depth. The Bible is our desire. The Bible is our devotion. The Bible is the dew of heaven. The Bible is God's diadem. The Bible, it is diligent. The Bible is written with discernment. The Bible disciples. The Bible is divine. The Bible gives us doctrine. The Bible draws the sinner to the Savior. The Bible is earnest. The Bible edifies. The Bible is effective. The Bible is effectual. The Bible is eloquent. The Bible encourages. The Bible endures. The Bible is enough. The Bible is God's ensign. The Bible is established. The Bible is esteemed. The Bible is eternal. The Bible is everlasting. The Bible is exact. The Bible is exalted. The Bible is our example. The Bible is exceeding. The Bible is excellent. The Bible is an exhibition. The Bible exhorts. And the Bible, thank God, it is expedient. I'm talking about the Bible, the Word of God. You're not getting tired of me telling what the Bible is this morning, are you? 
The Bible is faithful. The Bible is famous. The Bible is favorable. The Bible is fearless. The Bible is fierce. The Bible is God's fire. The Bible is firm. The Bible is first. The Bible is fixed. The Bible is aflame. The Bible is flawless. The Bible is forbearing. The Bible is foremost. The Bible is our fortress. The Bible is very forward. The Bible is founded. The Bible is a fountain. The Bible gives fragrance. The Bible frees from the bondage of sin the Bible is fresh the Bible is fruitful and the Bible is full the Bible is a gem the Bible is gentle the Bible is glorious the Bible is gold the Bible is the gospel the Bible is gracious the Bible is great the Bible is grounded the Bible guards and the Bible guides Aren't you glad you have a Bible today? A copy of God's divine word in your lap that we can read it, we can heed it, and it can change our life. The Bible is hallowed. The Bible is a hammer. The Bible gives healing. The Bible is heavenly. The Bible gives help. The Bible is high. It's holy. It's honest. And the Bible is honey to the soul. The Bible is honored. The Bible is our hope. And the Bible is awful humbling. The Bible is illuminating. The Bible is immutable. The Bible is impartial. The Bible is impeccable. The Bible is incorruptible. The Bible is our increase. The Bible is our indictment. The Bible is inerrant. The Bible is infallible. The Bible is our influence. The Bible is informative. The Bible is our inheritance. The Bible is inspired. The Bible instructs. And thank God, the Bible was written in integrity. The Bible is a jewel. The Bible joins. The Bible is joyous. The Bible judges. And the Bible is just. The Bible keeps. The Bible is kind. The Bible is the king's book. The Bible is a knife. It gives knowledge. The Bible is known. The Bible is a lamp. The Bible is a landmark. The Bible is the law of God. The Bible is a letter. From God to man. The Bible liberates. The Bible gives life. The Bible lifts. It's a light. It's light. It lives. It's lovely. It's loves. And I'm glad that God has revealed his love to humanity through his word. The Bible is, you're not getting tired, are you? The Bible's magnificent. The Bible is, it maintains. The Bible's majestic. I've read literally thousands of books. I hated reading when I was in school. And you don't have to be around me too long to know that that's probably the case. But since I got saved and gave my life to the Lord, I absolutely love to read. I've read, read hundreds of biographies of saints and sinners. But I'm going to tell you, I've never, I have never, I have never, no, never, no, never, no, never, no, never read a book that is in comparison to this book that I hold in my hand because it's God's divine book. The Bible, it lives. The Bible reveals his light. The Bible is light. The Bible is lovely, as I said, and it loves. It is marvelous and a masterpiece, and it's meat for the Christian. It's medicine for the sin-sick soul. It, is, it reveals the mercy of God. The Bible is mighty. It's milk to the newborn Christian. The Bible is music to the sinner's ear. The Bible is a nail. It fastens that which we read. The Bible has a name. The Bible is narrow. Someone says, well, I don't like that Christianity business, a bunch of thou shalt nots. The Bible is narrow. That's right. 
the Bible. It's needed. The Bible's noble. The Bible is our nourishment. The Bible is an oil. The Bible is ointment. The Bible is omnipotent. We need to open it. It is the oracle of Almighty God. The Bible is ordained of God. The Bible is the ordinance of God. The Bible is overwhelming. It's ownership. We need to obey it, observe it, and obtain it. The Bible, God's divine word. The Bible is a pastor for us to feed in. It reveals the path for our life. The Bible is a pearl. It's peculiar. No other book like it. The Bible is a perfume, a sweet smell of the Savior. The Bible is persuading. The Bible is a petition of God to man. The Bible is our pillar. The Bible, it reveals a place that God has for us. The Bible pleads with the sinner and the saint alike. The Bible is pleasant at times. The Bible is pleasing The Bible plows deep in the heart of man and busts out all the foul ground. The Bible polishes and finishes us off. I'm glad that when I can look back over the years and the trials and heartaches and disappointments and setbacks and troubles that I've gone through, and I look back how I used to be uh, what I used to be, and I'm nowhere even close to what I need to be and ought to be, but I look back and there's a vast difference. I was talking to my mom the other day and just said, Mom, uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, when uh, you and Dad got married and just kind of getting a summary of her life and history. Uh, just uh, some things that maybe you haven't shared with me over the years, if you don't mind. And uh, so I was trying to make preparation to preach her funeral. And uh, I, my dad, I prayed for years that the Lord would give me my funeral text for him. And uh, I looked and searched and prayed and dug, and I couldn't get it. And then one morning, about 3 o'clock or so in the morning, God woke me up and laid a scripture out of Job on my heart. Uh, for I talked about Job living and his days being full of days. And God had me preach on that subject, full of days. And I knew then my dad didn't have much longer. Just a day or two later, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And God gave me my funeral text before he was diagnosed. And so I'm trying to make preparation. I said, Mom, tell me a little bit about uh, your upbringing and different things. You know, uh, some things that I don't already know. And I didn't know this. We, of course, born in Chatsworth. And, uh, you, you, you know, um, great things come from Chatsworth. Pastor come from Chatsworth. So you better watch out what you say. If you say, no, no good things don't come from Chatsworth, God gave us our preacher from Chatsworth. Kind of like, you know, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And the question was asked, well, of course they can. The best came out of Chatsworth, our pastor. And uh, so, uh, of course, we lived over there, not far from C.D. Goswick's store. And I know you know where that is, preacher, all that. used to be dirt roads. I'm going to reminisce for a minute now. You say, I'd rather you not. Well, I'm preaching, so I'm going to. (laughs) You don't have a choice. And uh, I said, now, uh, just tell me a few things. I said, now, where did we live when I was born? She said, you don't want to know. I said, oh, yes, I do. And we lived in a little three-room house. Didn't have running water. I was poorer than I thought I was. I didn't know. I knew I was poor when I was born and born into a poor family, but I didn't know I was birthed into that poor of a family. She said, we lived in a little three-room house that didn't have running water, didn't have indoor toilet. I said, we didn't even have indoor toilet. She said, no, we had to use an outhouse. And uh, went through all the stuff came up with and, and uh, somehow mean and stubborn I was. I came home and told Peggy some of that. She said, well, I didn't have to know those stories to know how stubborn you were. So I didn't tell her no more of them. 
You say, well, preacher, why are you saying all this? I'm just simply saying, and she talked about how uh, she was saved. Her and my aunt went to an old-fashioned tent meeting in South Dalton, and uh, Brother Sammy Allen was preaching, and that night she went forward and bowed at an altar and gave her heart and life to Jesus Christ. And that's what it was after, to make sure the Bible was in her heart and the blood had cleansed her. Biggest regret of her life, she said, was when they got out of church as a young couple. When you get out of church, you get away from the Bible and God's holy word, you're headed for trouble. You say, what all that in the middle of the, what God's Bible is to you? Because it is a pasture, it is a path. God's blessings are found in the Bible. When they got out of the Bible, they got out of church. When they got out of the Bible, they got out of worshiping God. When they got out of the Bible, they went away of the world. And when they got out of the Bible, they went for years and, and years and years and decades. And God's hand was removed from them. And there was great loss and suffering in the family. I preached my sister's funeral. I was in a conference in Mansfield, Ohio. Got a phone call, and long story short, and I've shared the details in times past, so I'll not be redundant. I had to drive in quickly to preach my brother's funeral. Then just a short time later, a year and a half or so, I had to preach my brother's funeral. He'd been found, he'd been dead for several days in South Florida heat. And then my dad's funeral, and Probably, unless the Lord leads me home in his providence in the next few uh, weeks or months, and probably even sooner than that, uh, I'll be preaching my mother's funeral, and I only have one sibling left. And she's got some health issues now, just diagnosed with. So it's very likely I'll preach every family member in our family's funeral. I've had people come up to me. I've had aunts and uncles. I had an uncle that claims to be an atheist, and he's come up to me every, after every time, and he said, Terry, I don't see how you do it. How do you do that? Yeah. And I always say, Robert, I got a Bible. That's right. I got a Bible. And in that Bible I find hope, and I find help, and I find strength that I wouldn't have without the Bible. I say to you this morning, the Bible, the Bible, it, it is God's holy word. It purges, it purifies, it has a purpose. We need to perform it, possess it, practice it, preach it, and proclaim it. The Bible quenches. The Bible reconciles, the Bible refines, the Bible regenerates, the Bible is our remedy, the Bible renews, the Bible rebukes, the Bible, it restores, the Bible rewards, the Bible is fresh, it's rich, it's righteous, and it's royal. Can I give you the last couple? The Bible, what is it to me? We've gone from A to R. What about S through Z? The Bible, it safeguards. The Bible sanctifies. The Bible is the scripture. The Bible separates. The Bible is sharp. The Bible is our shield. The Bible is the soap, the fuller soap. The Bible speaks. The Bible steadfast. The Bible strong. The Bible is our sword. 
The Bible teaches, it talks, it's tender, it's a treasure, it's tooth. The Bible is ultimate, it's unchangeable. The Bible is written in unity. The Bible is unquestionable. And the Bible is upright. The Bible, it is victorious. It is the voice of God. The Bible washes. It's water, according to the Scripture. It is our weapon. The Bible helps to make us whole. And the Bible is our witness. And Paul said, when you come, bring my books and the parchments. When it comes to his dying days, Paul said, I want the Scriptures. The Bible is the wonder of all wonders. The Bible x-rays the heart. The Bible yields fruit, and it's our yoke. And for Z, the Bible is written in zeal. The Bible, the Word of God. Let me ask you this morning. What is this Bible to you? Have you read it this week? Have you taken this Bible? I remember when I first got saved and gave my life to the Lord. I'm going to unhitch right here. I used to take this and I would lay down and I could read John 3.16 and tears would stream down my face and I'd say, God, I don't understand your Bible. Lord, I need help. And I'd, I love the preaching of the Bible. I would sit. In fact, I've had evangelists and pastors when I was just a young Christian say, Boy, I wish everybody would listen to the Bible like this young man sitting on the front row. I couldn't get enough of the Bible. I was drawn into the preaching of the Bible. I wanted more of the Bible than uh, someone was able to give most of the time. And I would sit down at the edge of my bed and and I'd read it, and I'd read it. I remember even reading John 3:16, and tears dripping on off my cheeks onto the Bible, saying, "Oh Lord, I know you love me, but I don't understand your love. Can you help me?" And I'd read the scriptures, and I'd weep, and I'd say, "Lord, I just don't understand it. I need your help." And you know, I've been preaching for 41 years now, and I got a confession to make to you. You don't mind if I'm a little transparent with you this morning, do you? Preach, I've been preaching 41 years. God called me to preach within just a short time after I was saved. Within a month or two, God began dealing with me about preaching. I've been preaching over 41 years, and I still can't explain to you the love of God. I can't. But I can tell you one thing. I've experienced it. I know all about it. And I have a Bible that's been with me for uh, going on over 42 years, getting ready to approach uh, 43 years. I have a Bible that's never changed. I have a God that's the same yesterday and to, uh, today and forever. And he never changes. And whatever comes my way today or tomorrow or next week or next month or next year on the coming decades, if God uh, lets us prolong on this earth that long, may I say to you this morning, I have a Bible, and when I get to my deathbed, and I'm getting ready to cross over Chile, Jordan, I want my Bible. I want my Bible. The Bible. Paul said, send my books, but especially give me my parchments. And if that Bible doesn't mean that much to you, my friend, your priorities are warped. Did you read it this morning? then I'd say you got a priority out of place somewhere.
But preacher, I didn't have time. We have time for everything we want to make time for. The Bible. So one of the things Paul left behind was a Bible. We need to leave behind the Bible. You know why we're in the mess we're in today in America? Because our previous generations didn't pass along the Bible. You say, preacher, they can get all the Bibles they want down at the bookstore. That's not the Bible I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Bible that's lived and read day after day after day. The Bible. Fathers, we bow before you. Take these few short, simple thoughts. Use it for thy glory. Help us fall in love all over with the scriptures, the Bible, God's holy book. Bless, I pray in Christ's name. Heads bowed and eyes closed now. Nobody looking about. Just how precious and how valuable is the Bible. Maybe you read it, but it's just out of formality. The Bible's lost its appeal in your heart and life. You love the Lord. You're here this morning. You love the Bible. You own one. But how much do you love it? I wonder this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed if you'd be willing to come to the altar and say, Lord, this morning I want to renew my love for the Bible. Preachers, you come take the invitation.